0: You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast.
1: Okay, let's try this again before we head on over to 6.30. I'm Tuduzi Lerambela in for Jimmy Moyaha this evening. So, from the 1st of March 2024, a new national minimum wage determination will come into effect. With the Labour Minister Tula Singh announcing earlier this month that the minimum wage determination moves from 25 Rand 42 cents to 27 Rand 58 cents for each ordinary hour worked. Farm workers and domestic workers are included. However, workers employed on an expanded public works program are entitled to a minimum wage of 15 rand 16 cents an hour from 13 rand 97 cents. So the Department of Labor and Employment describes the minimum wage as the floor level below which no employee should be paid. So we're going to be taking a look at the national minimum wage, but in particular, one sector, and that's the mining sector, because we've also got the mining in Daba happening this week. In fact, today being at day one. For that conversation, we speak to David Van Vaak, lead researcher of Benchmarks Foundation. David, thank you so much for your time this evening. I think maybe you can help us understand the origins of the national minimum wage and how much we were talking about at the time to try and assess whether this makes a difference.
0: Well, I think that um, the idea of a minimum wage is an extremely good idea. Um, The only problem for me is that very often it becomes a maximum wage for many people and employers pay just exactly that amount and nothing more when they can actually afford to pay more. Um, They don't. Um, And also, uh, you know, we've had very serious strikes in this country and very serious labour disruption over the years, including in the mining sector. The Marikana massacre comes to mind And, you know, sitting strikes and so on over the last year and so on happening around wages and so on as well. Um, the mining industry pays more than the minimum wage uh, generally. Um, in gold mines, they pay around 8,000 rands uh, a month uh, as an entry wage. And in platinum mines, around 12,400 or more. Um, but those are also already outdated in terms of inflation and so on. If we really look at it, those are really 2012 wages, and we're already in 2024, and the mines are only still paying that. But a lot of mines depend on subcontractors and labour brokers, and subcontractors and labour brokers are not bound by the wage agreements that unions make with mining companies. So they pay they pay their 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 workers general. General workmen's wages rather than the actual minimum wage, uh, minimum, well, rather than the industry standard for a wage in those uh, industries which have been negotiated with trade unions and so on. Um, and that, that, that uh, increasing uh, uh, reliance on, on subcontractors and labor brokers and so on is exactly in the struggle against trade unions that the mines are doing that sort of thing. Now, this morning, the president at the Mining in Dava spoke about a new mining dispensation, and he spoke mm-hmm. about how high the cost of mining in Africa is. I'm not quite sure in which, which bubble he's living, because mining costs in Australia are far higher than what they are here. Mining costs in Canada are far higher than what they are here. In fact, we have some of the lowest cost how, uh, uh, mines in the world with you know very very high levels of return on investment. Um, but we are always told the same story about high costs of production in South Africa etc etc apart from which there's also a great deal of subsidies for mines and so on in terms of the uh, investment climate that the government tries to create for them to invest but the problem is that mining is in steep decline uh, it's in steep, steep decline simply because minerals are getting depleted you know uh, the, the, the president used the word sustainable mining there's nothing like sustainable mining mm-hmm. at some point mining comes to an end and you need, need to be, you need to move beyond mining. And you need to begin to train the population for other economic opportunities now already so that mm-hmm. when mining actually disappears, people are actually now employed in new sectors in the economy and so on. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the, the problem is that we can't transition so long as we have very low wages. You know, if you have low wages, you've got low market demand a low market demand means there's no incentive for manufacturers to invest in the country or for local manufacturing to arise within the country um, and and as a consequence uh, also the distance that we are from global markets for manufactured goods and so on make our uh, exports not competitive so we actually might have to look at a inward looking national strategy for for manufacturing within this country and try to develop a local market demand through proper wage structures and so on that would encourage people to invest in uh, manufacturing so that we can move away from mining. There was a lot of talk at the mining in Dawa about, uh, um, uh, 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 about value-add to minerals and things like that, you know. But, but the problem is that you can't value-add minerals that don't belong to you. These minerals are already sold to Japan even before they are out of oh, the ground. Man. They are already sold to China before they are out of the ground. They already sold in the United States and in the Northern Hemisphere before they're out of the ground, because the companies don't belong to us. They are global companies that are listed on the London Stock Exchange, the Beijing and, and, and Hong Kong and, and, and a Canadian and so on, stock exchanges and so on. That's where the owners of these mines are. That's where the dividends mm. get paid out. That's where the jobs are, in fact, created. And, and that is also where the benefits of our mining actually comes.
1: So, David, what does that mean more so when you speak of an inward-looking national strategy, right? You've got like a number of um, mining companies where workers stage, and it is being sold as a union issue. We don't want this union. We don't want that union. But when you dig deeper and you actually speak to some of these mine workers, they'll tell you that they can barely afford themselves. Yet they're doing such dangerous work, staging dangerous underground sit-ins.
0: Well, the the, the, the the South African mines are among the most dangerous in the world to work in. And you, you have to be really, really skilled to work in a South African mine, even though you don't have any formal education or, or qualifications. You know, we, we, we analyze the mines and they tell us how many millions they spend on worker literacy and things like that. But their literacy levels never improve. There's always about 40% of their labor force who are not literate. Now, you don't know how these people operate machines and how they, how they understand... The technicalities of what they're doing underground and so on, um, and that is because of this dependence on on super cheap labour. Um, you know, if you compare South African mine workers to Australian and Canadian mine workers, you know they make ten times more money there than what we do here, much more than ten times. In fact, <clears throat> now inward-looking um, industrialization would require that we actually we actually pay people sufficient money for them to afford manufactured goods. At the moment, people can barely afford food. Mm-hmm. And so there's no market for manufactured goods. We have to export anything that we manufacture in the country. And because we're so far away from international markets, our manufactured goods are not competitive on those particular markets. Um, perhaps uh, if we could uh, manufacture and sell in the rest of Africa and try and compete with Japan and China and, 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 and South Korea and so on, um, um, but then we would really have to have aggressive, aggressive agreements with other African countries so that they can absorb what we are manufacturing uh, in south africa and they might blame us for hampering their manufacturing um you know the the current situation that we are in is leading to deindustrialization. if you go mm. to the south of china's across the m2 all the factories mm. are standing empty mm. if you look if you go to any of the industrial areas in will contain anywhere you can go cape town you go to the industrial areas the factories are standing empty the places that once manufactured clothing they are standing empty because yeah. we've got china malls everywhere and they bring in very cheap goods and our industries can't compete with that. Then that's because we don't protect our industries.
1: Hmm. When you speak of mining being in steep decline, and you speak of us um, possibly collaborating with the rest of the continent, we've got what we call the African Continental Free Trade Area, right? And so, w- what is it that the likes of Botswana are doing, right? Which other country can recite outside of Botswana, right, that knows how to structure a deal to benefit not only itself but its people?
0: Well, you could see how aggressively the Botswana president negotiated with the BF recently last year, saying that, they, that uh, the BF, uh, the Botswana wants a share of the retail sector of jewellery, not just the raw material, uh, rough diamond exports as it was until now. Uh, you know, and the, the, about 80% of the value of diamonds was realized in the retail sector outside of Botswana. Now Botswana said, no, 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 we want to share of that retail sector. Otherwise, you can't continue mining here. You see, that's the kind of thing that you should mm. be doing. You, you should be saying to the mining company, sorry, you can't mine here unless you meet the following requirements. And you know, we've got, we've got, we've got almost ninety percent of the world's manganese. For example, manganese is incredibly important for the transition to alternative energy, but we are just exporting it. We are exporting ninety-five percent of it. You know, we don't even manufacture batteries on scale. Hmm. And this is a core component of batteries.
1: And and that's just it, right, David? So what then happens when you're really talking about the price being fixed elsewhere, outside of South Africa, before that mineral comes out of the belly? Will there really be change or are we daydreaming at this point?
0: Well, no, 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 we're not daydreaming because we, 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 we had until recently, and I don't know what the figures are now, 85% of the world's platinum between ourselves and Zimbabwe. We could have come to an agreement to say to the platinum mining company, company sorry, you can't have the platinum uh, at the at the scale that you are taking it out at the moment. Some of it's got to remain behind for beneficiation. We've got to set up factories and things like that in the country. Um, um, now, unfortunately, the catalyzing industry is collapsing because the combustion engine is going out the window, and so the uses of platinum is falling, and so the price of platinum is not very high. But Right now, the gold price is very high. Uh, right now, the other raw materials like copper and iron and so on is very high because of the wars that are being conducted all over the place. The American arms industry has grown very dramatically. And, and and we are not seeing the profits of our minerals being wasted on battlefields in the Middle East and battlefields in Ukraine and so on. That's where the surplus minerals of the planet is being shot away and wasted, you know, um, so as to... Uh, promote a bubble in the market. And as soon as these wars are over, then the prices are going to fall again.
1: Hmm. And so when you speak of beneficiation, which is the political speak, almost um, everyone you listen to more so in this election year speaks about beneficiation, right? Um, and then what should we understand about that when we are also an energy deficient country? Um, what will it take, really? Or maybe the question being, what has disallowed it? Oh, I think that the important
0: thing to notice is that we, we we tend to go for dinosaur technology. We think that we must follow the dirty path of Europe instead of leapfrogging ahead of them. We've got all the sunshine in the world, but Germany produces more solar energy than we do. Um, that that really is not that really is not good enough. We want to produce nuclear. One nuclear power station will take 20 years to build, just like uh, just like the, nucle- the the coal-fired power stations that which was a complete disaster um, we want to now build nuclear power stations and nuclear power stations will take long to build they are massively expensive and in the end they are also going to be dirty and, 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 and hazardous You know, um, why don't we take that which we have a competitive advantage in, we have a competitive advantage in solar, we've got a very long coastline for wind we've got a very long coastline for waves And we've got all these old abandoned mines, 6,000 of them, that we can use for gravitational electricity, that we can use for gas, uh, because all of them are full of gas, um, and that we can use for uh, other forms of generating electricity, uh, geothermal and so on.
1: Mm. David?
0: You know, we're not looking for simple solutions. We always want to make simple things complicated. Mm.
1: Mm. Thank you so much for your time. Um, David van Veeg is the lead researcher at Benchmark Foundation.